Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Barbara P. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, February 19th. 2024, and today we're reading from the big book. We're on page four, second paragraph. Next morning, I telephoned a friend. Through this time, we stayed broke. Today's readers are Susan G., Tanya P., Tricia D. is on reading our text, Erin K. reading our closing, Rick J. is backing us up. We have our newcomer greeter and host. Well, our host is Maria F., and Kathy S. doing announcements. So um, thank you, everybody. The the reference numbers for yesterday, the Sunday special edition, was 21145. 21145. And I'll just ask everyone who unmuted to say hello. Please check and make sure you've muted again. I hear some background noise. Just check and, and mute, please. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I'm going to ask Susan G. to read our 12 steps. Good morning. Susan G. in Tennessee, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Step 1, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step 2, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step 3, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Step five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Step seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Step 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me give some service, and I'll pass. Thank you. Susan G. from Tennessee. Would Tanya P. step up and read our 12 traditions? 
Good morning. This is Tanya P. in Michigan. And these are the 12 traditions of overuse. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. There is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, overeaters should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to do service, and I pass. Great. Thanks so much, Tanya P. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. We welcome everyone. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phones except the speakers should be muted. So today we're gonna resume our study of the big book. We're on page four, the second paragraph, beginning with next morning, I telephoned a friend. Through this time, we stayed broke. And I'll ask um, Tricia D. from Georgia to get us going. Good morning, Barbara. This is Tricia D. from Georgia. Um, thank you for your service this morning. Can you hear me? I uh, sure Barbara? can. Okay, great. Thank you. All right, I'm on page four, <clears throat> the uh, second paragraph. Next morning, I telephoned a friend in Montreal. He had plenty of money left, and I thought I'd better go to Canada. By the following spring, we were living in our custom style. I felt like Napoleon returning from Alba. No St. Helena for me. But drinking caught up with me again, and my generous friend had to let me go. This time, we stayed broke. 
well, this paragraph, I can certainly, never thought I could relate to Napoleon until I read this, because I certainly can. So I looked at, <clears throat> pardon me, I have a little sore throat here this morning. Um, you know, the stock market had just crashed. And here Bill has already got his his mind going on, what is he going to do next? He's, he's relying on himself. And he's, he's calling his friend in Canada, and off he goes. And it, it's only like six months later, and he says he's already <clears throat> living in his accustomed style that he's used to. Um, you know, St. Helena for Napoleon was a place where he was exiled, and he died in, in St. Helena. You know, I think, well, how, you know, but here Bill is talking about how he was like Napoleon and how he did not want to be sent to St. Helena to die. And that's kind of in situation how I was, you know, um, as an addict, I am a compulsive overeater. And I always thought I had solutions to everything. It was my willpower that I could go on. and, And I always had felt like I had a way out until I didn't have a way out. And as a result, I, you know, was because of my compulsive overeating and my addiction to flour and sugar, it, I so much was so allergic. You know, this we are allergic to um, our, our our my. I, I had the phenomenon of craving when I would eat sugar. I would have a reaction, and I'd want more and more. And here's, here's Bill. He's he says in the end, um, he this time he got he was a generous friend was so good to him, but then he had to let him go because he got back into the drinking again. Drinking caught up with me and my generous friend, and they had to leave. You know, I think about <clears throat> as an addict, my mind is so focused, just like Bill, like Bill, more reliance on human people rather than God and seeking His direction. This this disease has such a powerful denial system um, because for me, I didn't believe that I was going to really get that bad. That, yeah, I had a problem with eating, overeating, compulsive overeating. But I felt like, yeah, I, I would eventually lick this until I didn't, until I was diagnosed with stage four cirrhosis of the liver and had to have a liver transplant about six and a half years ago. And then it was, do you think that was bad enough I was rescued from my you know from elbow or St. Helena you know I got back into the sugar because of my crazy mind my mind was telling me oh you're okay you can get back into the sugar because you have this new liver and that's the decision I was born with this disease and I will die in this disease and so for newcomers who are listening I just want to share that you know I'm so glad you're on the line today because this I found out through the um, the 12-step program and a vision for you, which just saved my life. Over four years now, I've had finally neutrality with the flour and the sugar because I have followed, you know, got a sponsor. I had followed the 12-step program. I do the action. But this, I had no idea that this allergy I have is threefold in nature, where I have the phenomenon of craving, I have this mental twist that makes me think that I can do it on my own, and I don't remember the last debacle of my the shame that I went through. But what beautiful part is, it has made me realize that there is a solution, and there is a power greater than myself that can restore me to sanity. And this program is that it's fabulous, and um, I am just so appreciative that today that I live in the solution, I use the tools, I get 
to make um, phone call. My family, my OA family is tremendous, and I feel so loved and accepted where I am, and I can talk to people who can relate to me, and I can relate to them. Time. So uh, thank you so much for letting me share, and um, keep coming back to my newcomers. It works if you work it. Thank you, Barbara. Great. Thanks, Tricia D. from Georgia. All right, so we'll take a list of names of folks who'd like to share. No abstinence requirement, just stay on topic. Although we value your experience, we do ask that you limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So who would like to share on this paragraph this morning? Christina J. from North Carolina. Anne-Marie K. Christina, and I heard Anne-Marie K. Cheryl G. from North Carolina. Cheryl, gotcha. Kim A. Kim, got you. And can you repeat the paragraph, please? Yeah, page four, second paragraph. Who else? Christina J., Anne-Marie K., Cheryl G., Kim A. Anybody else? Tony B. Tony, got you. Kelly H. Okie dokes. All right, well, that's a good place to stop. Let's go ahead, and Christina J., you are up for three minutes, followed by Anne-Marie Kay. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Christina J. in North Carolina. You know what I realized this morning as I'm listening to the reader, which was a fabulous share, by the way. I am addicted to what I want in life. I'm addicted to what I want. I'm still addicted to what I want. And that's why it took me so long to get out of my relapse site. Because, and especially with uh, abstinent food, I'm addicted to what I want. And I want comfort. And what gives me comfort is that food. What gives me comfort is your validation over and over and over again. And I pushed through my whole life chasing that validation. I, I don't know. It doesn't seem like Bill chased that validation as long as I did. Uh, thank God he didn't, because we wouldn't have a big book so early on in his life and career. But, um, you know, I finally realized that I'm not going to get what I want. I'm going to get what I need. And what do I need? I need God. I need this connection inside that's going to save me from myself. And surrendering what I want, my selfish desires, of what little Christina wanted since she was a little girl, which I got set up for, granted, I got set up for chasing validation. And I got set up by looking for comfort in something that, I, sadly, I was allergic to. But I'm actually grateful that I'm allergic to those foods today because they're nothing but poison. Do I want to eat like a normal eater? Not really. A normal eater, in at least in my mind, can have ice cream can have candy, can have this, can overeat their abstinent foods occasionally. I can't do it. You know why? It blocks me from the greatest, it blocks me from the greatest walk I can ever experience, which is with God, which is being present, which is being calm, which is what the reader, I mean, excuse me, the speaker yesterday on the special edition shared about, you know, walking in peace and surrender every day. So I had many of these moments like, like Bill you know, bailing myself out by using other people's money, um, thinking I was going to finally make it in this career that I had, all this stuff, and I would always fall flat on my face because it was all about me. 
God was teaching me through falling. There's, there's really nothing wrong with, you know, wanting what you want. But in the end, once you get through kind of the first two cycles, teenage years, adolescence, midlife, then you realize it's got to be about others. Because what are you chasing anymore? I mean, I'm, I'm 65. I could, you know, hopefully I'll get 20 more years. And I want to be ready to go home to my God to have surrendered all this selfish crap. You know, so, yeah, I really relate to Bill, and his disease gets worse, and mine got worse, until I finally realized, you know, I'm addicted to what I want in life, and i got to let that go. And I get 12 steps to work on that with, and you fellows showing me every day through your shares and your stories how to do that. It's hard to let go of what you want and just ask God, what do you need? What do I need? And God gave me, I'll finish up with this, exactly what I needed yesterday. I was depressed. And he led me by a strange series of events to a wonderful talk that lifted my spirit. So stay, stay alert, listen, and watch, because God will lead you to what you need. Thank you. I pass. Thanks, Christina J. Anne-Marie Kay, you're up, followed by Cheryl G. Good morning, everybody. Anne-Marie Kay, compulsive overreader, recovered just for these 24 hours by the grace of God. And I am in Pennsylvania. And I'm glad to be back in Pennsylvania. I've been out of the country for the last month. And... Um, the thing that I really relate to this is like no St. Helena's for me. Uh, this, in my re- reading this this morning, all I could think about was how many times I'd been on diets and, you know, you go back on maintenance and, oh, now you can have everything you want that you, ne- you know, that you didn't eat all that time. And I couldn't understand why every, I never got to an end of a diet because as soon as I'd lose a few pounds, it'd be like, I'd be back on maintenance. I think of that all the time. Thank God for the doctor's opinion, and I finally learned about an allergy, right, so that I didn't have to stay broke, but it still took me a long time. I came in these rooms 28 years ago, and I still wanted to diet with group support because for me, too, it was all about Anne-Marie. Self will run right. Like was just spoken about, you know, I could never get enough of anything. There was such a deep hole in me that was empty, and we all have our reasons for that, obviously. But it, it, it enabled me in many ways to think I deserve this. I deserve this, damn it. Look at what has happened in my life. And then I had great friends who also enabled me, not because they were trying to make me you know, go off my diet, but because they thought, again, just like my family did, you know, food will make it better. you know. And I believed those lies. And there's times I still want to believe those lies. But the difference today is I've learned about a spiritual life. And it wasn't the life I brought it was, was taught when I was a child. Of course, I was a child, too. What could I understand? But, you know, before I went away this time, and I had some trouble on my last trip, one of the things I realized was the spiritual life is not a theory. And thank God I was listening to that, you know, because I didn't understand it. And I also thought I always had to do it perfectly. So thank God I heard somebody right before I left say, practice makes progress. These are the things that I've learned. And I'm going to be 71 this week. And I came in these rooms when I was in my mid-30s. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, I have the educational experience, you know. It's okay. I like learning, you know. Uh, it doesn't mean I have to be at the head of class anymore. And that's a tough one for me. So, you know, uh, at this time I don't want to stay broke. I realize I can pick myself up because I'm never alone. I do have my higher power, and that's what I did differently on this trip. I made sure the minute my eyes opened up, I was thanking God for another day. 
And there were a lot of things that happened that helped me see, he helped me see in a very spiritual way that it wasn't all about me. There were a lot of things that happened during this trip that I couldn't control. And I didn't have, you know, a major having to call suicide prevention in another country because of that. I had my big book, I had my daily reader, and I found a morning meeting that I could get to. And those things work if we work it. So everybody, have a great day unless you've made other plans. I'm planning on it. Thanks, everybody, for doing service and meeting. It's good to be home. I pass. Uh, thanks, Anne-Marie Kay from Pennsylvania. Welcome back, and happy birthday, almost. Yeah. Cheryl G., you're up, followed by Kim A. Hi, good morning, everyone. My name is Cheryl G. I'm from North Carolina, and I really enjoy all the shares, especially the person who opened us up. It really touched me very strongly. Um, you know, I've just been coming around now. I have a little less than 90 days of abstinence, and I'm working with a sponsor, and I've been in 12-step programs for a while now. Um, but this food really caught up with me last year, really caught up with me big time. And I, too, have moved around a lot and depended upon other people to kind of save me. I remember moving from uh, Rhode Island when I left school, um, graduated, got a job in Rhode Island. That didn't work out. I moved to D.C., slept on someone's couch for a while until I got myself on my feet, got a job. Then I found a, a room that I rented in southwest Washington, which was a really swanky area. I stayed there for a while, then moved to New, back to New Jersey, my home, slept on my mom's couch, then got a job, finally got my own apartment. Um, and then years later, decided to move to North Carolina, and things worked out pretty good for a while until the food caught up with me. And then that's when I realized, you know, um, there, I just, I'm not moving forward anymore. And I was stuck in my depression. I was stuck in isolation. I felt myself moving backward. I felt myself slowly dying. dying. I was being put on cholesterol medication. I was having pains in my knees and my back. And wanting to move forward but unable to do so and really understanding the the fatal nature of this disease. And so now I'm at a point in my life where thank God for OA, thank God for a sponsor, thank God for higher power. I'm really finally grasping the spiritual malady and how my life is going to be unsuccessful unless I hold on to a higher power and really seek to do his will and to grow in his image and his likeness, uh, which is what I was created to be. And so now I find myself I'm retired, semi-retired, 67, and I do need to move again. I want to move again, but this time it's going to be a lot different. Instead of looking for what I'm going to get out of it, I've already started looking for volunteer opportunities in the community that I'm going to go to. How can I best be of service? It's not about my enjoyment, my pleasure anymore. Yes, it will help me out economically. It will help me to save money and have a, a more comfortable retirement but it's also about what can I give back. So I'm really looking into, I spent my time on not online last night really looking at volunteer opportunities. How can I be of service? How can I reach out? I want to go down there as a different person now. So I just thank you for letting me share, and I thank you for this meeting, and I pass with that. Thanks, Cheryl G. from North Carolina. And we're going to move to Kim A. Before we do, let me just remind everybody where we are. We're on page four, second paragraph. Next morning, I telephoned a friend through the end of that paragraph. This time, we stayed broke. Kim A., you're up for three, followed by Tony B. Thanks. Good morning. This is Kim A. in New York City. And I needed to do a little Googling on this paragraph because I wasn't sure 
what St. Elba means St. Helena was. I wasn't sure what Elba was. And so this is basically Napoleon being exiled to this, like, little island of Elba where he, like, ruled over it and made a lot of improvements. So he felt awesome, right? And St. Helena was another place he was exiled where, I guess, like, it sucked for him. So he felt bad. So, you know, this whole paragraph, it's all about Bill's reliance on things outside of himself, right, to boost his self-esteem, to boost his spirits. And it just kind of reminds me of my own, prior to recovery, looking outside of myself for, like, distractions to feel good, right, whether it's going to food for ease and comfort or looking to other people what I think they think of me, that's going to kind of determine my self-worth, maybe romantic relationships that I was in, maybe, you know, whatever it is that I was trying to accomplish outside of myself, but not for, like, the right reasons. You know, my motives were always about making myself feel good or making myself feel important. And you know, one of the kind of overarching themes of this chapter is, you know, how does Bill think? And we watch his thoughts bounce, like, back and forth between this grandiosity and, like, total delusion to feeling like a piece of crap and then looking outside of himself to bring him back to these, you know, like, to this place of, like, loftiness. And, you know, this is why I ate, because I was just like that. I didn't have self-esteem. I didn't, I didn't even know who I was, right? And that's what it seems like, that Bill just, he doesn't even know, like, who he is or what he's doing. He's just, he's just running around trying to control his drinking, trying to control his image, and trying to... I don't know, lift himself up so he's better than everyone else. And that's how I relate to his thinking. As, you know, all the while, his drinking gets more and more out of control, and eventually, you know, he concedes that alcohol is his master, and then he goes on to drink for, like, two more years. Um, And so, yeah, I I really relate to this, like, that need to somehow be better than everybody else make myself like superior, right? Find a way to make myself superior because I didn't have what I needed from within. And that's because all of the things that propelled me to food were in the way, right? They were blocking me from my higher power. Um, Yeah, I will just go ahead and end with that. This is Kim A. from New York City. Thanks for letting me share. Uh, thanks, Kim A. from New York. Tony B., you're up, and you'll be followed by Kelly H. Thank you. Tony B. here, recovered in Scotland, compulsive overeater, no doubt about that. Um, thanks for all of those doing service today and um, for, for um, the person who started us off with such a great share at the beginning and all the shares I've enjoyed. Um, so, yeah, I can relate a lot to Bill here. Um, 
Uh, yeah. I mean, a crash. I could talk about a crash in my life. My marriage ending in 2006, that was one such crash. Um, and there was suggestions from my husband, from my, uh, well, yeah, from my ex-husband, from my brother and parents to retrain and keep the house that uh, he'd moved out of. Um, but no, I knew better. I'd sell the house. I'd move in with a a deadbeat musician and moved to Brighton and try and make it in, in the music world in Brighton. And um, we took each other down right enough. Um, there was violence there, unmanageability. Oh, yes. And um, a lower crash uh, at the end of that, a suicide attempt. I mean, any of these could fit in with, you know, at various points in Bill's, Bill's story, some of my experiences. But I certainly relate and to what's been said already of just this will, this self-will run riot. Um, and then uh, I needed, my brother came to my rescue at that point and I moved to, to London near to him in a small flat. And then I met a new man um, in Switzerland on a Taoist retreat. And, uh, you know, um, six months later, I'd moved to Geneva. He was well off. We had a nice apartment. Um uh, he had plenty of money left, it says here, and yeah, I could uh, I could just um, get a new life with this guy. Um, but my eating did catch up with my the unmanageability of my life, as always, caught up with me again. And um, although I had got a job, I couldn't hold it down, um, and uh, you know, went more and more part time and. He was getting fed up with me. And after four years, my only choice really was to run away again. I came back to the UK. And he didn't try to persuade me to stay with him. You know, he was a nice guy, but, you know, he was ready for me to go. And um, I stayed broke. You know, uh, I had another suicide attempt. I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. And, um, yeah, that's, that's a bit of me fitting in there with, with uh, what Bill experienced um, in terms of sort of just just telephoning, trying to move away, trying to do something differently, my drink, my eating catching up with me. Um, but I love what I've heard on the meeting today. Somebody said walking in peace and surrender every day. And my goodness, what a difference. Thank God for the change that this program can affect in somebody. Um, not perfect. I know I've still got lots of pride and ego, but you know, it's so much better. Um, and I just uh, wish all the newcomers well who are on the meeting today and all of you a beautiful day in recovery. And with that, I'll, I'll pass. Thank you for listening. Thanks, Tony B. from Scotland. Kelly H., you're up. And after Kelly, I'll be taking a new list of names. Uh, good morning. This is Kelly H. from North Carolina. And I am a compulsive overeater. Uh, I this paragraph, reading this paragraph and sharing this morning um, with eight hours of abstinence, um, it, it's a good read because I'm journaling a lot through people's shares. Um, and one thing that comes through to me is that recovery is not based on circumstance. Um, it's and from this paragraph. I've outlined kind of five things. It's not about having enough money. It's not about being um, in the right location. It's not about having the right friend. 
It's not about time away from home or finding a new home. And it's not about being shamed. If I feel it, then I can make a change. Um, those five things there. Um, if the disease is um, the only thing in this whole paragraph that remains the same is that the disease is still there um, in all of that. And uh, the great theologians of uh, Don Henley and Glenn Frey um, in their song, Hotel California, um, I can check out, but I can never leave. This program or this uh, disease is always there. No matter where I go, there I am. Um, I, I would love it right now. I would really love it if this was the only paragraph I had to read. Um, and then the good stuff comes. Because um, when I read this paragraph alone, just isolated away from all the other um, parts of the story, it would be awesome because then I, then I could do this in my own power. All I have to do is just find the next thing, and then I could go from being broke to being well off again. Um, but a lot of times um, when I'm in this program, I, I'm here a lot. I have to be in this place because that desperation thing has to be experienced. Um, I can feel the shame and realize it's not by my decision. It's not by me trying to find my next program or my next um, diet. It's not about changing my circumstances in, in all other words. It's about I have to really rely on the power God gives me. And um, if I think I have any power whatsoever, then I can't, then this isn't going to work for me. And I need to really stay in this place. I think right now I'm really working on step one and um, embracing it. So um, that's it. That's all I have for today. Thanks for letting me share. Perfect timing. Thanks, Kelly H. from North Carolina. All righty, let's get another list of names going. And just a reminder, so we are on page four, second paragraph. Uh, next morning, I let's see, next morning I telephoned a friend, ending with this time we stayed broke. And also, please hold back if you have. Um, we ask that you limit sharing to every third day in order that others can share their experience as well. So who else would like to share on this? Marianne, and then I see, oh, yeah. Catherine A. Oh, I got nobody. I, all right, hang on. I got nobody. So start start again, if you want. And then I Janice A. All right, I got Elena C. Mitchell and I have Loretta G. Mitchell, is that? Mitchell G. Yes, thank you. Yeah, Mitchell, gotcha. So I got Loretta H., Elena C., Mitchell, well, Elena C., Loretta H., and Catherine Janice A. H. Janice A. Janice H. Mm-hmm. Janice H. Mm -hmm. So here's who I have. Tell me who I missed. Elena C., Loretta H., Mitchell G., Catherine, didn't get your last initial, Janice H. Anybody else? We should have time for another one or two at least. All right, well, let's rock and roll with those five, and then we'll see what we have. So, Elena C., you are up, followed by, okay, Pete, I'll put you on the list. 
Elena, you're up, and you'll be followed by Loretta H. Good morning, everyone. Can you can I be heard? Yes, you sure can. My name is Elena C. from South Carolina. Thank you so much for your um, beautiful shares and the beautiful paragraph. And the reason this paragraph stood out um, to me was because, you know, the comparison between Bill and Napoleon. And, you know, as you all know, Napoleon was one of the most famous heroes in the world. And what he did was he... Um, expanded the French Empire. He was awesome in many, many ways. Well, in lots of ways. What he did for the army, the French army, you know, the laws that he instituted. Yet, you know, he had a lot of power and control, and he led the army to conquer other countries. And, you know, so what I was doing before the 12 Steps I was also in power and control. I had a lot of, I thought I did, had a lot of power and control, you know, to to conquer things. And what I wanted to conquer was I wanted to conquer, you know, um, my achievements, um, like get the best grade that I ever, anybody had in college or high school, get the job of my dreams, you know, then you know, go for the American dream. And um, like Napoleon, when he conquered other countries, he killed people. I mean, not him, perhaps him as well, because he was there fighting as well with the army. But, you know, I didn't let, uh, literally kill people, but I killed them emotionally in this conquest. It was, it was a, you know, a war, a war with the world. I had no idea that's what it was. I hurt and kill people emotionally through my character defects, you know. And so, I, and thank you, God, I'm in the 12 steps because the war is over and luckily I lost. And what do they teach me? That I need all I need. I don't need to win. I don't need to do anything. All I need to do every day get closer to God every day. Let God lead my life. Let God lead my happiness. You know, let other people be led by their gods. And I don't need to conquer anybody and anyone. And in that experience, I have happiness and joy. And I could be with the world the way I was meant to be, not by winning. Not by killing people emotionally, because when I did that, I killed myself emotionally as well. You know, and I am so grateful that I could listen to you and I could practice the amazing tools of the 12 steps. And I can, I have a pal who's watching over me every step of the way. And all I need to do is turn towards him or her. And let him conquer me. And thank you so much for listening. With that, I'll pass. Great. Thank you so much, Elena C. And Loretta H., you're up, followed by Mitchell G. Good morning, all. Along with my precious God, you are saving my life. Loretta H., recovered in North Carolina. 
this reminds me of when I first started listening to Vision. And I actually was going, or my husband and I were going to do a geographic to St. Helena in Sonoma County. And actually, the hotel we stayed in and the that no longer exists because of the fires in um, Northern California. So uh, God has kind of a great sense of humor, but it's, you know, I think I would have burned up there too because um, a geographic never works. Uh, my brother um, was committed suicide. My husband's brother committed suicide and my husband was very ill. This program, this meeting, saved my life. I started working the steps as it is in the big book. I actually look important as my part, you know, my self-esteem, my security, everything had actually blown up before the um, property had blown up. And had I not looked at it through the fourth step, fifth step, and then um, the process that we go through, I think I would have either died in one of those fires or I would have um, had my own inferno because right before this paragraph, when I came into the rooms, I was Bill. I was going to jump out of the window. And thank God that I learned how to live life on life's terms and that perpetual uncertainty is always there. And I must, I must rely on God and use this program and it is I use it a lot to save my perpetual perceptions and that's what the steps do and living in 10 11 and 12 yes but I always sometimes have to do a four and a five to actually get those perpetual perceptions out of my head because the causes and conditions to me are as important and as valuable as my part. And with that, I pass. God bless everybody. Have a surrendered serene day. Bye. Thanks, Loretta H. From North Carolina, Mitchell G., you're up. Let us know where you're from, and you'll be followed by Catherine. Good morning, everybody. I'm Mitchell G. I live in St. Petersburg, Florida now. Thank you, everybody, for your service. It's been a good meeting for me. You know, I'm absent about 11 weeks, and um and it's now starting, you know, the part of the uh, story that kind of hit me when it says, uh, but drinking caught up with me again. And I think what I'm experiencing now is kind of, I, I don't think I've been on a pink cloud, but I think that what's happening now is that as I'm, you know, reading the book with my sponsor and, you know, doing the deal with the weighing and the measuring and the non-negotiating my food stuff, which is a pain in my ass on some levels and also a gift, um, still kind of adjusting to I don't get a say in choosing the food. Um, I'm starting to feel some of the challenging emotions that are uh, that I reacted to as food is the solution. And so I've you know, been married for a long time with my wife and we're now having to embark upon some intense conversations. We've always had some intense intense misunderstandings about money and um, and certain values and I'm married 33 years, and so, you know, I've avoided some of these things or I've had them with anger or uh, or feeling uh, just, just triggered by 
our attitudes. And so anyway, I, you know, I've been doing the 10 step on this and, but I'm still having some of the mental obsession around looping around some of this for some reason, the situation and a business situation I'm in is kind of triggering that third column stuff in the big book or I just feeling my security feeling a little bit threatened and interfered with. And so I'm noticing, you know, kind of more hunger uh, and more urges to eat and um, more just tolerating some of these uncomfortable uncomfortable emotions, which, uh, as one woman said, the exile was the disconnection from myself. I've never disconnected from God, but delusion is I feel like I am. And, and when I'm feeling in that isolated, alone place because uh, because of the emotional distortions and the mental distortions of my brain, um, um, I feel more isolated and um, and more like I have, I don't know, it's not that I'm self-reliant, but I'm just, I'm in my head, uh, even though I'm saying prayers and um, and I think like, I don't think probably not unusual when I got sober many years ago, those first 90 days were a roller coaster and um, I think I'm starting to feel some of this roller coaster here, emotional roller coaster, dealing with things which have oppressed and not being able to deal with in a constructive way, untriggered way. And so anyway, I'm a little, uh, I'm happy that uh, I'm really enjoying this meeting. I, I love to focus on uh, the solution because uh, food was the solution to uh, very uncomfortable, painful feelings driven by distorted thoughts. Um, and um, I love my wife, but um, it's it's uh, internally tense for me right now, and I'm um, going to get some extra help to deal with it. But this is one of those um, emotionally <laughs> threatening situations. So thanks, everybody. Uh, thanks, Mitchell G. from Florida. Catherine, I think it was Catherine A., but Catherine? Hi, this is Catherine A., recovered commercial reader in Ontario, Canada. Um, in this paragraph, I, I really hear Bill talking about, um, or really in denial. You know, I felt like Napoleon returning from Elba. So he's returning from exile, and he is not planning to go back to exile. He's not planning. Um, he believes he can do this without um, without going back into exile. Without, um, And it reminds me of the last time, uh, maybe three years before I came into program, uh, when I had decided that I was I was done with um, with trying to avoid certain foods, I had been on a food plan for maybe the last five years that was very similar to the absence that I now have, and for very good reason. And I had decided that no, what, what healthy people do is eat everything in moderation, and I should be able to eat everything in moderation. And what I was doing was ignoring what I knew in my heart that I wasn't able to eat like other people. I didn't have the words of entire abstinence or the allergy of the body yet, um, but I knew in my heart that I couldn't eat like other people. And yet I would tell anybody who would listen uh, that, you know, the healthiest thing to do is eat everything in moderation. And I had this like moral value that I'd placed on this. And and I thought I, I had arrived, you know, I, I had, um, I'd achieved this thing of like I was the person who could eat everything in moderation, but 
as Bill's drinking caught up with him, my my eating caught up with me and went back into the cycle of of binging and restricting uh, that had followed me my whole life. And because ultimately I'm not capable of eating that way. And I had to uh, I, I guess I had to be in that in that denial so that I could really understand why this is important and why I do need to stay in entire abstinence. Uh, so that I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks, Catherine A. from Canada. Uh, Janice H., you're up. You'll be followed by Pete B. Let me just remind everybody we're on page four, second paragraph, beginning with um, next morning, I telephoned a friend and ending with this time we stayed broke. So Janice H., go ahead. Good morning, everybody. I'm Janice H., recovering compulsive overeater in California. Um, it's nice to be on this meeting and I've heard a lot of good things. And what what this all makes me think about is that you know, the times in my life when my eating has been the most out of control um, has been when, like, when my mind or my will or my ego is trying to force me into a lifestyle or a mindset that doesn't suit me, you know? And, um, like, the weight to me is my intuition's way of telling me that I need to look deeper, you know, and I ignore that. And I and then I feel like everyone else knows it but me, you know. And uh, so right now I'm just realizing that, like, regardless of maybe I don't like the way my body looks right now, I never did, even when I wasn't heavy. So that's, that's another problem, but... Um, I'm right where I'm supposed to be, you know, and uh, I'm hearing exactly what I need to hear um, to move me further along recovery. And, um, you know, trying to beat myself up about decisions I've made that got me to where I'm at right now is not... Uh, helpful. So uh, just turning that dialogue with what's going on with the recovery literature and with the meetings is my solution today. Um, It's not within me. So that's all I wanted to say and uh, I just wanted to speak up because it's been a while since I've Shared. So thank you and all pass. Uh, great to hear you, Tanice H. Thanks so much. Pete B, you're up for three. Yeah, thanks, Monterey, for taking the meeting. You're doing a great job. My name's Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater and I'm recovered today by God's grace and mercy. You know, you know, the characteristics we've been reading about, Bill. You know, these are all, these are all. You take alcohol out of the out of the discussion, or the fact that it's Bill Wilson. These are the things that we're supposed to be encouraging people in recovery to be like, right? Optimistic, perseverance, ambition, 
Right? These are all the, these are all the things that he's displaying here. I, I don't I don't understand why we we talk about them as if it's something negative. Right? Like like if 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 somebody you're working with is displaying you know is displaying characteristics of being optimistic and and thinking positive and ambitious and pursuing their goals. Right? You're, if you're talking them out of that or trying to downplay that, then you're a shitty sponsor. Because these are the things that are, these qualities are necessary. They're the same great leaders, right? And what's happening in Bill's life right now isn't much different than what was happening in everybody's life at this time because they're in the Great Depression, right? And these things, these ways that Bill's pursuing these different things, are not negative and they're not the things that make Bill Wilson different or the things that make me different from other people. What makes Bill Wilson different from other people is that he has an abnormal reaction to alcohol and he can't use it in any quantity. And he has the same delusion that I had, which is that somehow, some way, some circumstance is going to make it different. Right? He doesn't yet see that this condition is progressive and fatal and is going to continue to deteriorate every aspect of his life and make his desires to be better, his natural desires, his natural ambition unattainable because of the condition. Right? You know, this is the, the, the great fact is that what makes us different, what makes us unique is that we can't handle certain substances in any quantity whatsoever and abandoning our natural instincts right to try to to try to address that well that's just not consistent with what i believe the 12 steps are all about this denial that you know we should be better do better feel better i'll tell i'll shut up with this i've been on a pink cloud since 2017. i've been on i i love love being abstinent I love being recovered. I love knowing that there's no circumstance, there's no person, there's no situation great enough to cause me to reconsider the idea that I can't handle those substances in any quantity under any and all conditions. And with that, I will gratefully pass. Well, thanks, PP. Appreciate all the shares today. Thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. So today's share ID, if you want to listen to today's powerful meeting again, is 21146, 21146. We'll now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And will Erin Kay um, read that closing for us, please? Good morning, everybody. This is Erin Kay, um, recovered compulsive overeater in Michigan. A vision for you. <clears throat> Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is so sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. 
See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.